0: Welcome back to Pop Culture Footnote, the podcast that keeps you in the loop on all things pop culture so that you can talk about it with your friends. I'm Courtney. I'm Shannon. And we are so happy to have Tana back again this week to talk about the X Files with us. I am so excited to talk about the X
1: Files with <laughs> <For> you. <yes.
0: me. laughs> yeah, um, but before we get to that, we are going to do our Media of the Week segment. So, Tana. What have you been reading or watching or listening to this week?
1: Uh, I am taking a trip down memory lane and uh, <laughs> re-watching all of Psych, the yes! TV series. So I watched it. My partner Josh has never watched it. Um, he would maybe seen like one or two episodes. So we're watching it and he was like so skeptical at first and he loves it now, <laughs> now and I feel like so vindicated. Yes.
0: Okay. Psych has a special place in my heart because when Andrew and I first started dating, I um, the first time that we held hands was to an episode of Psych. Aww. Like, one of the scary, Aww. horror-y ones. <laughs> uh-huh. and, then, um, and then right after we got married, it was, like, the summer, and neither of us were in school. And so we went out and bought the first season of Psych and just
1: binge-watched it. Aww. And then every summer
0: <laughs> afterward, we bought a season and binge-watched it. For That's the so cute. So, yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> they Maybe also, um, one of the best, like spoof parody episodes in all of tv i believe was um dual spires which is yes. a twin peaks inspired episode <laughs> of psych so that was a good one <laughs> wonderful
2: things to had to my list do you not watch psych no i okay oh. i've seen probably the first two seasons of it mm-hmm. which i binged one summer when i was bored <laughs> so i don't know why i didn't yeah. keep going on it i like it yeah it's very funny
0: yeah you should watch <laughs> the rest uh, general general uh, recommendation to all of our listeners go watch psych yeah <laughs> shannon what are you what are you uh, consuming
2: with um, your i'll say that i'm, I'm obsessed with maroon five's new video Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it girl girls like you yeah is that what it's called um it just has all these awesome ladies in it and yeah. i like it um Gal Gadot, when she pops up there, something about Gal Gadot just makes me burst into tears (laughs) whenever I see her. Like, I, there's problems maybe with Wonder Woman, but like, she's just so awesome, but it has... Beanie Feldstein is the because she's in Lady Bird and is, like, mm-hmm. just super awesome. But yeah. it has all these activists in it, mm-hmm. Ellen's in it. I don't... <laughs> I actually, like, looked up an article to find out all of the, these women. Some of them I didn't know. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is so cool. All of these women, they pulled into it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I do but, love the ending of that movie with his uh, wife and daughter. I know. Yeah, it's sweet. So,
2: yeah, it ends with... Yeah. Yeah. His model wife. Yep. Because he's Animal Bean. <laughs> yeah. And he would. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. Uh,
0: what, am I, what am I doing? Um, I am reading 1984 this summer. Because Ooh. I cannot believe I have gone this long in my life, especially since I majored in English.
2: I've never, never read, it? read it before.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. It's a
2: good time to be reading. I know.
0: <laughs> I managed to get away with not reading a lot of things that I probably <laughs> should have. Yeah. So, that's part of why I do this podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. That's cool. actually one that we should do on the show sometime. Yeah, probably. It gets referenced I mean, a lot. Big Brother and yeah, mm-hmm. that Apple commercial. Yeah. And then there're yeah.
0: always people on the internet who are like, "What is this 1984?" <laughs> and, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's a lot cool. Of
0: Yay, but that episode would probably make me really sad, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, Tana's is joining us this week to talk to us about The X-Files, which you've watched for a long time, right? Yes. What was your first exposure
1: to The X-Files? Okay, so this is so funny. Uh, so, I... Uh, as listeners to older episodes of this podcast and honestly like every podcast that like every episode that i have been in um i am an avid consumer of horror media i really love everything that is spooky um but I was not always that way. And part of the reason that it took me so long to get into horror was because of two TV programs. One was uh, Tales from the Crypt. There's an episode with a mummy. Uh, okay. Gave me nightmares for years. <laughs> and the episode of The X-Files called El Mundo Hira*, which is um, a kind of like acid rain uh, Chupacabra like hybrid mythos thing that happens. It's actually one of the um, episodes that we watched for this uh, was Paper Hearts, and it's the episode right after that. So it's just a monster of the week. But there's this terrifying um, scene of acid rain that has fallen on a goat, and its its face is like half eaten off by the acid rain. Oh. And as a child, I was traumatized oh. and just like. Terrified, and it took me so long to get back oh, to it's... horror at large and the X Files specifically because mm. of likes being so traumatized by that. So that was my first exposure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Shannon, what was your first exposure to the X Files?
2: I watching it for this episode. <laughs> um, I know that my parents watched it when it originally ran, but looking at the years <laughs> it was on it, since why I didn't watch it, <laughs> I think a little bit coming for it. Um, just, I mean, I've obviously heard it referenced a lot. My favorite recent one is, have you guys seen uh, The Big Sick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kamil Nanjiani. He has all these Pakistani women that are vying for his heart, and he, they all know that he loves the X-Files, so they all kind of <laughs> mention it throughout the movie, when I was like, the truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which actually one thing that will i will probably mention again later kumail nanjiani has a podcast called the x-files files Files, uh and he basically brings on a guest to talk about like main episodes of the x-files their favorites uh and they're like really good episodes so if you like kumail and if you like the x-files go listen to that podcast also
0: i'm gonna have to listen yeah Yeah, (laughs) nice cool Uh, for me, it was, um, similar to yours. Mm -hmm. So I used to stay with my grandparents occasionally. And, um, I, one time when I was young, I was staying there, I was by myself and I was staying in this, uh, bedroom kind of off the hallway, which was right off of their living room. Mm -hmm. And they were watching the X-Files. And so I heard like the spooky music and, um, it kind of creeps me out a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, I have to sneak out and try to like see what they're watching. So I would not be scared anymore. <laughs> so I sneak out and I'm like kind of looking through the door from the hallway into the living room, trying to see what they're watching. And I don't even remember what it was. Cause I think it was repressed. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me so bad. I was just like bawling and it was just a really bad experience. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so I was just like growing up, I was just like, I am not interested <laughs> in that. That is not for me. Um, Now, as I'm older, like, I realize I'm more into horror now, thanks to you, actually. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I'm more into horror now than I used to be. I really like sci-fi, so... And I like cop procedurals, Mm -hmm. so watching episodes for, like, this week was my first exposure to actual X-Files episodes. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, and then before that, though, my only major exposure to The X-Files was an episode of The Simpsons uh-huh. from season eight called The Springfield Files, uh, <laughs> which is like a direct parody of yeah. X-Files. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. love that so much. And it has Leonard Nimoy in it, so, you know. Kind of, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I feel like I've seen so often that uh, there's like a Simpsons... Uh, the screen cap that gets shared on the internet a lot of, like, David Duchovny um, <laughs> showing his FBI badge, like, as Fox Mulder, and it's, like, him, like, shirtless lounging or something <laughs> like that because he's, like, beautiful on his, like, FBI badge. So, yep. <laughs> good Simpsons references. <laughs> yeah for
0: sure. Cool. So, um, Tana, do you want to just... uh, Tana, do you want to give us just a brief overview of, like, what the show's about, and then we can get into, like the details.
1: Yeah. So The X-Files follows uh for the for the good parts of it. Um I was talking a little bit earlier. Uh I refuse to acknowledge basically anything that goes beyond season 6. Uh <laughs> the rest is trash. Um so, so <laughs> the good X-Files uh consists it follows uh Dana Scully and Fox Mulder who are two FBI agents. Um, In the very beginning, Fox Mulder has uh, his his nickname is Spooky Mulder. Uh, (laughs) But he's got like a reputation for being kind of a like spooky person. And he, which uh, I didn't remember, he's like Oxford educated and a psychologist and like a super smart guy. And Mm -hmm. he's been relegated to to. Solving the X-Files, which are like unexplained phenomena that get nobody can solve, they're kind of disregarded, and he has to be in this sad basement office. <laughs> uh and Scully gets brought on to kind of uh keep an eye on him. Um the higher ups in the FBI are worried about him. So she is kind of like the logical, like, you make sure he's following the rules, you give us reports on what he's doing, etc. Uh, and the whole series just kind of follows them um solving these X files, these unexplained phenomena. Um, there is a kind of one myth arc that happens, which is like a, an on run, ongoing uh, conspiracy theory that is mostly driven by Mulder, but later in the show by Scully. And then uh, there are monster of the week episodes that happen kind of as one-offs. Um, yeah, that's kind of the TLDR of all of the X-Files.
0: <laughs> Yay. Cool tell us more tana
1: yes okay so we picked uh i had to narrow it down out of all of the good episodes that were there to that exist um to five so i picked the first episode of season one the first episode of season two uh, uh one from season three i believe it was which is home i think home is in season three. Oh no it's in four yeah uh paper hearts which is also in season four um and is kind of a continuation slash uh side path to the myth arc And then postmodern Prometheus in season five. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the myth arc and give a very spark notes version of it because it runs for, um, unfortunately, all of the seasons, even past number six. So (laughs) uh, and it goes a little off the rails towards the end. Um, But and then we can talk maybe a little bit more about the monster of the week ones, since those will be a little easier to have conversations about, I think. So uh, as I mentioned in uh, the very first episode, Dana Scully gets brought in to kind of be a watchdog on Mulder. Mulder has a, a history of not following the rules. Uh, he is a terrible uh, cop a lot of the time and also a terrible person sometimes, which we can talk more about later. <laughs> uh, he is a jerk. Um, but the it, it establishes very quickly um fox believes he wants to believe in aliens uh he when he was a very young kid his younger sister samantha was uh uh, taken he believes it was an alien abduction uh and his kind of ongoing purpose and pursuit the place that he is often the most uh i guess rule-breaking and also vulnerable is when he's in this myth arc trying to figure out who took Samantha, do aliens exist? Is there a giant government conspiracy covering all of it up? Um, And Scully is this logical kind of, uh, she was a med school person. She never practiced. Uh, She got recruited right out of med school into the FBI. And she is the kind of logical driving force behind, like, we're going to follow this logically. Um, And the first episode opens up in, uh, I believe it's Oregon and uh, these, kids are being these kids all from one graduating class are being um killed and they have these little like marks on their back and uh the team goes up there to investigate uh the team being Mulder and Scully <laughs> yeah. uh, go up to investigate and uh Fox is immediately right there and ready to be like oh this is aliens this is aliens that's happening and Scully is very much like no we have to follow procedure we have to like get record of things there's got to be a logical explanation really weird things start to happen around them so uh like they do an autopsy well they they exhume some graves from past kids that have been that have died uh and they find one that looks like it is an alien body uh and they're doing kind of an autopsy and one of the things i actually listened to kumail's podcast the x files files um he talks about this was in 93 and this was before all of those autopsy shows were happening so this was like a really kind of creepy new thing of like we're going to show live of a dead body being cut into and like examined and stuff this was like a first thing so um pretty cool uh, neat little kickoff to that genre that is now its own genre Um, they find in the body's nose this metallic object that is wedged up there that Fox is like, of course, aliens, this is an (laughs) implant. Uh, And Scully's like, there must be a logical explanation, Mulder. Uh, Which, by the way, this is the theme of The Uh, (laughs) X-Files. If you have ever watched Vines, um, there's a really great vine that uh, I can show you if you reach out to me directly because it doesn't exist on the internet anymore and I had to contact the creator (laughs) to get a copy of it. Um... (laughs) But basically there's this girl who had uh Mulder and scully dolls and did uh six second versions of every single episode as well as a six second version of the x-files as oh a gosh. whole and the six second version of the x-files is just like Mulder being like scully look aliens and there's aliens in the background and scully doll the scully doll is just like what where i don't i don't see them and that is like all of the x-files is like very clear evidence of aliens and scully being like what i don't see it uh which is basically what happens here. they when they're doing the autopsy. She like thinks that it's a monkey, maybe, mm-hmm. and F- Fox is like, "No, it's not a monkey. This is an <laughs> alien." Um, so they find out that uh, one of like there are a couple kids that have been affected uh, by this event that happened when they were in the woods a couple of them were like put into a mental hospital one of them is basically in a waking coma the other one in a wheelchair the one in a wheelchair dies they end up finding out um it was the boy who was in the waking coma was being compelled by alien forces though they don't acknowledge that in the official report to lead his classmates out to go um he says that they were abducted and they had experiments done on them, and the experiments failed, and the aliens were trying to clean up all of the, like get rid of all of the experiments. So they were killing them off. Um, And uh, so they wrap it all up, and Scully goes and like presents her report, and like so many of her reports are just like, I cannot explain it, but here (laughs) is the things that happened. Um, And this honestly kind of kicks off the whole whole, uh, myth arc of David Duchovny trying to prove... So one of the big things that happens at the end is uh, there's a fire and all of their like reports and stuff are burned. The only thing that uh, Scully manages to save is the little metal implant that was in the um, autopsy patient's nose. And she brings it to the FBI and says, this is the only piece of evidence that I could find that we still had. And they take it and put it in a vial. And we see um, the cigarette smoking man, as he will later come to be known, uh, put... It like take the little vial and put it in uh, this giant vault full of other alien paraphernalia uh, at the Pentagon. So Top men. Huh? Top men. That's yeah. an Indiana Jones reference. Oh. <laughs> <American>. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and what's actually really funny is that the cigarette-smoking man becomes a huge player in the myth arc. He is kind of like the main villain that they are working against because he is like a representation of all of... Uh, what the government and the man is and uh he originally applied for or uh, auditioned for a different role and they gave him a non-speaking role in this because they didn't think he was good and then he had such a presence that they signed him on as one of the biggest figures in like the whole series so which is super cool um so th- that kind of kicks off this thing of Mulder for the rest of the series is trying to find out what the government is trying to cover up. Uh, it happens very often that they get a hold of some alien uh, pe- like thing that proves aliens exist and the government gets a hold of it and destroys it or uh, like puts it away in its little vault thing. C- Cause um, so we watched the season two opener as well. and in the season one finale, the X-Files actually gets shut down. So they had, um, in season one, uh, an informant called Deep Throat who would give them tips and insider clues on what was happening. Uh, he ends up getting killed. Uh, they find an alien fetus in a jar and, um, Deep Throat actually gives that to the like government and <laughs> then gets killed because he knows too much. So that's how he dies. Um, yeah. And what they find out, like as season in season end of season one and as season two progresses, is basically that the government was doing experimentation with an alien virus to make super soldiers. So a big theme that runs throughout is uh, they encounter these recurring people who can shapeshift and are super strong. And anytime they get injured, their blood is toxic gas. So <laughs> they are like very difficult to beat. And if you kill them, you also die. Maybe. <laughs> um, so it's like this ongoing thing. Um, that Mulder kind of stumbles into as he's just trying to find out like, did aliens take my sister? They find out that there's this, there's this whole conspiracy about this program to make these super soldiers. And there's another alien race that is like trying to fight off these super soldiers. And maybe they're actually the good aliens and we don't totally know. And the Russians get involved (sighs) and, um, Actually, season one or season two, Scully gets abducted by aliens and uh, she ends up with like cancer because of it, but she maybe is immortal uh, because of other things that have happened in monster episodes. (laughs) Uh, It is so intricate and good, um, and it does definitely go off the rails a little (laughs) bit towards the end. Uh, The first movie actually focuses a lot on this myth arc. So leading up, they end up in Antarctica and find... Like an alien spaceship with a ton of aliens in tubes and containers, and Mulder's like, "Yes, I found it," and then it gets like sucked into the Earth, (laughs) and when like Scully is um, knocked out, and when she wakes up, doesn't remember any of it happening. (laughs) So again, like, what, where? I don't, I don't see them. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but what's interesting is that in this whole myth arc, uh, Mulder is the one driving it at first because he's like, "I got to find out what happened to Samantha. This is like, this is so entwined in my life." You find out later that Mulder's dad was really close friends with the cigarette smoking man, and like that's all kind of involved. And as he kind of loses hope of samantha being alive or being findable um scully kind of becomes more of a role like with her having cancer she also ends up like getting pregnant and uh it's maybe an alien baby uh there's like a lot of mystery about who the father is it might be like an artificial insemination because Mulder also gets abducted at one point um and just like a lot of stuff happens (laughs) and so if you ever want to like put on your tinfoil hat like the myth arc of the (laughs) x-files is a great place to go um (laughs) There's just so much. Uh, And one of the... So season two opener, Little Green Men, is kind of like bears that out a little bit more of giving uh, Mulder more of a chance to develop this. He goes to Peru to hack NASA's uh, spaceships, the Voyager, to see if he can contact aliens and uh, gets all of this record of them. And once again, it's like they get chased out by the military and he doesn't get any of his evidence. Mm -hmm. This is the theme. (laughs) It's just like it happens. One thing that's really interesting though is Paper Hearts, which is in season four. Uh, So Mulder has been very... uh, certain that his sister was abducted and in paper hearts he the notion is posited that maybe she wasn't abducted by aliens that maybe she was taken by this serial killer uh his name is i just have completely forgotten it something roche yeah roche uh he is played by uh, the tall tim noon tom noonan um he's very tall and thin i don't know he's in robocop 2 <laughs> the last action hero um So he is this uh, child murderer. He had a a huge affinity for Alice in Wonderland, so there's a lot of, like, Mad Hatter references. Uh, He cut out a heart, a piece of cloth from every, like, young child he killed. Uh, And he, Mulder, realizes that maybe this guy took Samantha, and he goes and interviews him, and the guy plays off of that and manipulates him a lot and says, yeah, I did. Like you found like, there are two more victims, which one do you want to know about? And like Mulder, he's like, you have a 50, 50% chance. Maybe it'll be your sister. And Mulder takes the chance and they're led to another body and it's not Samantha. So Mulder, and they don't know where the last body is buried. Um, so Mulder, it's like never really resolved. Uh, meanwhile, Mulder has been having these visions and falls asleep and Roche escapes and uh, goes and takes another little girl hostage and Mulder at the end is basically faced with the, do I save this little girl now and shoot him and lose my chance at knowing whether Samantha was actually taken and and killed by this man. Um, and he opts to save the little girl and kind of like let that go. So there's always still this kind of doubt of like, did, like was Samantha that last little girl, the last victim that they couldn't account for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like, I don't know, it hangs on for the rest of the series. And that's one of, this is regarded as one of the best episodes uh, of the X-Files because of that, because it has been so like, aliens, 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 aliens. And then like a really hard, uh, he had a chance to actually know if it was aliens or not. And I'm not aliens, but like know what happened. And he didn't do it. He saved another little girl in order to like not have it happen. So, uh, which is really cool. Cause that's been like his driving force the whole time. And he has a heart and is good. Uh, so, yeah, those are mm-hmm. those are the three, like, m- kind of myth arc-related ones that we watched. Uh, it goes so much deeper and so much darker. And if you are interested, you can watch more. But we can actually mm-hmm. talk about the Monster of the Week ones now if we yeah. want. Um, yeah. Okay. Which I think are very good. Do, do, I don't know, do either of you, do maybe each of you want to talk about the plot of one of them? Sure. Would that work? Yeah. <laughs> just like a TLDR, and then we can yeah. just <laughs> talk, like, process it.
0: Yeah, which one do you want, Shannon?
2: Um you oh. I mean, <laughs> don't want it. to it i also can okay. i'm trying to think if i can explain <laughs> either of them <laughs> <laughs> um i'll
0: explain home if that's okay go for it okay cool so this is in season four uh-huh um and mole so it starts off with uh Okay. I'm doing the TLDR version. Sorry. That's too detailed. Um, Moldy, <laughs> Moldy, Moldy and Sculler. Moldy. Yeah. <laughs> like Moldy. I'm struggling with my words. Um, Scully and Molder are called in, um, to investigate this, um, body that was found. It's the body of a baby that was buried in a field that some kids found while playing baseball and, um, so they investigate and they look at the body of this child and the The child has all kinds of, like, genetic abnormalities, and um, they do, like, DNA testing and find that there's some weird stuff going on with the DNA, and they posit this idea that maybe, um, because the baby was found, like, really close to the house of this family called the Peacocks, and um, they're, like, basically the sheriff of this really small town is, like, they raise all their own food like livestock they and he kind of hints that they are inbreeding because mm-hmm. um, they nobody ever sees them but there's they've been there for you know since the civil war so um they have this idea that since the baby was found not far from the house that maybe um the weird genetic stuff is the result of inbreeding and that maybe all three of these um so they know that there are three men in the house They have this theory that the baby is, like, all three men fathered the baby at the same time. But they're like, well, in order for that to be the case, like, they have to have a woman in there, first of all, who gave birth to the baby. And she would have to be a member of their family because, like, that's the only way that it could possibly work that way. Um, But we know that there's no woman, like, female member of the family because of what the sheriff said. And so they, have, they think that there's a woman that these three men have kidnapped and that she's being held against her will. Um, so they um, put out, they, so they go and they search the house and they um, find evidence that the baby did come from the house. They put out an arrest warrant for all three of these men. Um, and the local sheriff then is murdered by these three men. So the deputy sheriff and Mulder and Scully go to the house to try to, like, arrest them and confront them. And they've booby-trapped the house, and the deputy sheriff gets decapitated. And, uh, and anyway, so they manage to lure the three men out of the house, and they go in looking for the woman, and they find that basically these three men's mother slash... I, I guess she's the mother of all of them. Yeah. But... um Yeah, so she's there, and she was involved in a car accident, and she's lost a bunch of limbs, and anyway. And she does not want to leave, and uh, they end up fighting with the three men, and two of them are killed, and then they turn around, and the third man and the woman are gone. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Yep. That's that's it. That's Uh, it. (laughs) This is one of the most horrifying episodes of The X-Files that exists. Uh, just, like, if you are going to watch it, like, know that going in. Uh, it starts off with a bunch of, like, terrifying men burying a live baby. So, yeah. And it it just, like, exactly as you would expect proceeds from there. Yeah. So, um, how did y'all feel about this? Like, what were your thoughts? Did you think it was spooky or good or... um? How did I feel about
0: that? <laughs> I don't know. I It was fine. I I didn't think it was like that scary, actually. Like okay. there were horrifying elements to it, like burying a baby and yep. stuff. That's like not cool, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, um, Correct. I didn't think it was did particularly
1: scary.
0: I didn't feel particularly scared during it.
1: Okay.
0: I was actually, so side note, um, Little Green Men. Yeah. I was massively scared at one point. Like really it was a jump scare. And I, just, I, I literally screamed. I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so funny. That's so, so funny. Yeah. I was a little bit more scared by that, but I don't know. Like
2: it's pretty creepy. It's
1: a little creepy. Yeah. For me, I don't know. So like I've been terrified of p- pigs ever since <laughs> oh. seeing, um, like the Hannibal Lecter, like yeah. doesn't, I think I'm pretty sure, uh, in one of the Hannibal movies and in the TV series, which is wonderful, by the way, um, somebody gets eaten by pigs. Uh, oh. Like one of the the families, like rich families owns pigs and feed people to the pigs. Mm. So they are like terrifying anyway. And then this so much just smacks of like, the, hill, <coughs> the hills have eyes and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like that kind of like remote, like terrifying familial... Mm. I mean, I guess like elements too of um, like Norman Bates and stuff uh, in here of like this mother figure who is just kind of all consuming in the worst and most terrifying ways. I don't know
2: i liked the beginning because now i feel like i'm gonna get the two confused but this is the one where there's the baseball team at the beginning yeah yeah right? mm-hmm. and he's like kicking the dirt and then blood comes yeah. up that image was so good it's yes. like a hand yeah, yeah a little
1: baby hand oh.
2: yeah that was yes. really scary yeah creepy um i really like the Andy griffith reference
1: oh yeah in the car no, the- no,
2: just that the cop was named Andy Taylor. Oh, and okay, okay. His, <laughs> his deputy was Barney. Yeah, Barney Fife, and like, no. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because um, she makes a comment about Mayberry. I don't know. I grew up with Andy Griffith's show. I so did it was too. Kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing about so we kind of mentioned earlier that they bury the baby because the baby's competition to the mother, which I did not get
1: from watching the episode. Oh, um, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, I think what I, I can't remember if I read it somewhere, uh, or like, like a commentary. I thought that it was the mom had a baby and it was a male baby. So the brothers killed it because it was competition for them oh. to have the mother. Like they were, oh. they were like, it's that kind of like primitive of like the, the boy babies get kicked out of the herd and the girl babies are used for making more babies. Hmm. Um, thing that is what i believe that it was like because it was alive when they when they yeah when she had it yeah and they took it out and buried it because at least from what i understood it was not going to be a um baby that would make other babies
2: yeah
0: so okay interesting because i and maybe this was just like i don't know here's one thing that i was talking with andrew about with the x-files that I don't particularly love, because I do love, like, what we watched, Uh but they use really inflated language and vocabulary, Uh and sometimes that kind of obscures the meaning of what they're trying to say, (laughs) and Uh so, and I was kind of getting that with the two Monster of the Week episodes that we watched, and this was one of them, so I was like, I think I understand the gist of what's going on here, but, like, I didn't get that detail. I thought, and maybe this was just, like, they were intentionally vague about it, Uh but, My understanding was that the baby—they buried the baby alive. But they, like when uh, Scully was examining the baby, Mm -hmm. she was like, "There are all these genetic abnormalities. Like, there's no way this baby was going to live, Mm. essentially." And so I thought that they buried the baby because they were like, "This isn't
1: a viable, like, child,"
0: I guess. Mm -hmm. I was like, "That's still not cool," but uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I could see that. But I, I don't know. The thing that like. They don't seem like the smartest family, like the that most like keyed in and able to like read that. Like just knowing them, I don't know that they would have been able to be like, this will not be viable within yeah. 10 hours or something. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. But I I could have totally just constructed that. No, I, I feel
0: like that is actually probably a better explanation. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, but yeah, I did notice that some of the episodes I was just like, I don't, understand what's going on here because Mm -hmm. the language is so like
1: yeah yeah that that does happen also which um (laughs) kind of makes if you watch the x-files all the way through (laughs) that is a trend not only in the monster of the week episodes in all of them in all of them i would recommend watching it twice if you want to really understand (laughs) the myth arc and the conspiracy (laughs) that runs because there's a lot of like that of talking around or like referencing, and you have to be like really keyed in to is what is fast. going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I was
0: sitting there kind of going, like, maybe I should turn on the
1: subtitles. <laughs> I just like to understand all of it. Yeah. But anyway. Um, I also really love this one because there is that there's this like the scene at the end when, or close to the end, when Scully is talking to Mrs. Peacock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mrs. Peacock says, like, you're not a mother. If you were a mother, you would understand the pride and, like, the like how much you'd do for your children. And that, like, Scully's reaction to that is, like, so poignant in the context of the rest of the series, of her really wanting to be a mother and thinking that she's infertile, probably because of this abduction, and then having this kind of, like, magic alien baby, maybe. And, like, <laughs> yeah, so... It's this I was really wondering interesting. About that because mm-hmm.
2: They bring it up earlier in the episode about uh-huh. her being a mother, and I don't know. It, Mulder
1: calls her mom a couple times, yeah. like. But he also
2: says, like, "Oh, I've never really seen you as uh-huh. a mother," or something, and she kind of seemed to react poorly to that. So yeah. I was wondering what, yeah, what the background was.
1: Because one was one of the things that is so beautiful about Scully as a character is. She is a very logical person. She's a doctor. She is all about, like, science and stuff. But you find out through the series she's actually, like, very religious. She wears a cross in every episode. Um, And there is, like, a real internal struggle through the whole series with her trying to be, like, the logical and, like, doing things and also, like, the emotional of, like, I want to be a mom. I want these kind of, like, more sentimental things and kind of this internal strife with herself. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, like, such an interesting episode in light of that, where she is going and trying to be logical and trying to, um, like, figure things out and approach it very kind of, um, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, sanitize it. Like, make it this kind of bare-bones thing. But there's so much of this motherhood reference tied in, and Mm -hmm. she's just, like, so, I don't know, taken with it and maybe horrified by it it's uh, really beautiful i think yeah in the midst of this horrifying horrifying story <laughs> it's just this like small bit of personal development mm. for her yeah so
0: interesting
1: mm. yeah cool. it's a good one do we want to talk about um the postmodern <laughs> prometheus now i <laughs>
2: feel like you should explain okay i can um all okay. because i feel like i'm just gonna butcher the end of it i'll say though that, that i really liked um just looking at the ties to Frankenstein uh-huh. with it and how yes. it's set up, like the film, yeah. and it's all in black and white. Mm-hmm. and That's, yeah, there's some really fun references within it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but. Um, okay, so Postmodern Prometheus um, is actually my favorite episode of all of the X-Files. Uh, I have a cat. Her name is Memphis. She is mm-hmm. so named because... At one point, and it's a very moving and wonderful point, uh, (laughs) Cher's cover of Walking in Memphis plays. uh, And so that is why my cat has her name. Uh, because of this episode of Cher's cover of Walking in Memphis um so basically it's a very stylized like Shannon was saying a very stylized one it's all black and white there's a lot of like comic book references I think the opening scene is like a comic panel and then it like turns into real life and then the ending scene is the same but in reverse so Mm -hmm. it's like Mulder and Scully and then they kind of flatten out into comic book like panel of them smiling or something um And basically, uh, Mulder gets uh, a message from this woman who says, uh, I, 18 years ago, 18 years ago, 20 years ago, 18, 18 years ago, um, was... Like I fell unconscious and was out for like three days. I woke up three days later and I was pregnant and I had my son. And then now eighteen later, eighteen years later, it has happened again. I saw you on Jerry Springer with the woman who had the wolf werewolf baby. Uh, she told she mentioned your name. Can Is you that come another help?
2: Another episode? No, it's not. I wish.
1: Because earlier there had been like a woman on Jerry Springer with a boy who looked like a wolf and. Uh, that was what was being referenced, um, and they so they go go to this town, and it's very like small town kind of podunk. All of the people there are like caricatures, <laughs> kind of. Um, the woman explains her situation that she remembered hearing share playing, that they had put something on a skillet, uh, that whoever had like come into her house had put something on a skillet, um, and she got knocked out and then didn't wake up for three days, and now is pregnant, um, and. Uh, so they're kind of, like, Mulder and Scully are kind of investigating around. The whole town gets, uh, as they are starting to make progress, Mm -hmm. they're hearing rumors about, like, the great Mutato, this monster that lives there. Um, The boy, I'm trying to remember his name, Brandon? Is that his name? Izzy? Izzy, yeah. Oh, Izzy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, where is that coming from? Brandon's a much more
2: normal name. (laughs) So
1: Izzy is the boy who was, like, the product of the whatever happened 18 years ago um the main woman's son uh and he is kind of a comic artist he draws these comics of this guy called the great mutado uh and says that he's actually a real person they set a like peanut butter trap for him and he Mm -hmm. like comes and takes a bite and they get a glimpse of him and then they don't see him again and so there's this like kind of monster running around the woods that is uh Maybe to, to blame, they interview uh, a local scientist who is Jay Peterman from Seinfeld, <laughs> uh, Elaine's boss, which is like my favorite thing. Um, and he's basically like, I'm a man of science. Like, the, uh, all I care about is science. He's and He's such a great caricature. Like, yes. And, <laughs> um, and we see him uh, kind of be really dismissive and mean to this like area farmer uh, who it turns out is his father um he's also very dismissive of his wife who's like i want to have a conversation about having children and is he's like i don't like want to have. do you want a child or a nobel prize is what he says to her and And i I think she's like she's
0: not even gonna be getting the Nobel," yeah
1: um because he doesn't like children uh so then the same thing happens to the same thing that happened to uh izzy's mom happens to the scientist's wife um she gets knocked out uh wakes up pregnant she's actually really excited about because she wanted a baby but um it's like also this this is a very complex episode (laughs) i I will as as we get to the end um explain why i feel have so mixed feelings about it but um but there are also these great cutscenes of this kind of shadowy figure like dancing to share in in these like kind of smoky houses while the women are unconscious and you're just like very concerned uh about it um I'm going so far past the TLDR. Uh, they do more digging, um, find out that the farmer was uh, the father of the scientist. The scientist actually created this this um, mutant, the Great Mutato, uh, and then did abandon him. He was like, I don't really want him. So the farmer guy. Took him in and was like taking care of him and raising him and uh, wanted to make him a mate. He wanted to like make him have somebody to be with. So this angry mob comes and like gets to the farm and they're you know gonna like take down the Great Mutado and the Great Mutado actually speaks and is this very soft spoken gentle person, Mm -hmm. kind of like Frankenstein's monster, Mm -hmm. um, and tells them, uh, So I was abandoned and my father, the farmer, he's not really his father, but his adoptive father, uh, was trying to make me a mate, but he was a farmer and very close to the, he says the soil that he worked and the animals that he worked with. So his early attempts were a lot of uh, animal hybrids. And it it does this great pan around the barn of, um, there's a reporter who looks like a chicken and it cuts to a chicken. And then there's like a person who has like a long ponytail and it cuts to the horse and like, Izzy he uh, like is there? And his mom's like, well, who's the father? And it pans to a pig because he's kind of got this like little snub nose and stuff. Um, and the great mutato is like, uh, like if you can, like I will take credit as a like as a murderer because his uh, father has been killed. He says I'll take the blame as a murderer if you can make me a mate so that I won't have to live in shame and I'll like live my life alone. And uh, the mob is like oh, well, you did give us, like, a lot of good people and, like, a son that we love and all is forgiven, basically. (laughs) Um, The mob kind of, like, turns its fury on the mad scientist guy. Uh, And meanwhile, Mulder and Scully uh, (laughs) take the great Mutato to a Cher concert and it ends with uh, him dancing, being invited on stage to dance with Cher and Mulder and Scully dance together and and scene. It's very cute and um, adorable. Yeah uh there's a lot of great share music in it all throughout um share was actually asked to be in it and she turned it down because she wanted more of a role than just being herself and like singing at the end and then really regretted it she was real sad afterward that she wasn't in it because of how like what a good episode it was so yeah what were your thoughts about this one (laughs) i do have feels i I I didn't get that was really cute. (laughs) cute
2: well because she's in that movie with um what is the movie called? Mamma Mia 2. No. <laughs> so that's what it is. That's the one. Mask. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so they show him watching this movie with this character that looks kind of like him. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what we're calling him, but a modern-day Prometheus guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but Cher is the one in that film, right, that, like, falls in love uh-huh. with that character. Yeah. So it's, like, who he envisioned. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's tender
1: yeah, yeah. so it's this really i don't know it is super i understand 100 percent that this is like a very problematic episode because like the whole town is like we were put unconscious and art- artificially inseminated and like made to give birth to children uh and we're gonna forgive all that and it's fine because you did it for love <laughs> Yeah. And that's a problematic yeah, theme. So
2: that. <laughs> that's not a
1: great thing, and yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But it's also very hard for me to not watch this and just be so stoked at the end when, like, Cher invites Mutato on stage to dance with him, and Mulder and Scully dance together, and it's yeah. just it feels real good. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, one thing I
0: did want to bring up from this episode is how bad Mulder and Scully are at their jobs a lot of the time. Yes. <laughs> um, there's there's this scene where um, so. Jay... what is his name? Peterman, <laughs> Dr.
1: Polidori. Doctor Polidori. Yeah, that guy. Curly. Oh,
2: really? <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. He um he's killed his father, the farmer, mm-hmm. and buried him in the barn. And Mulder and Scully have come to investigate, and they find um, this reporter lady who's kind of been following them around the whole episode. And she's in the barn. She was like, "Oh yeah, the." the great mutado guy, he was here and he buried this guy in the barn. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, okay, all right. And they're scoping things out and trying to find the great mutado. And um, this mob just kind of marches up with their torches and stuff. (laughs) And they're just like, we're going to kill the great mutata. Like he, he's a monster. And they go marching into this barn and that Mulder and Scully just stand there and just like, Oh, look at them go. <laughs> like, like
1: you are federal. active crime scene. I was like,
0: Yeah. You just got information. There's a body buried in the barn. and that's evidence. You're just going to let this mob just, w-. I was like, first of all, even if there wasn't a body in the barn, you guys are like the FBI. You shouldn't uh-huh. be like letting this mob <laughs> just go and do whatever they want on private property. And, you know, there's evidence there. And they all have torches. What do you think is going to happen? (laughs) I was just like, you guys are really bad at your job. (laughs) And, yeah, in Paper Hearts, like... We talked about this before we started recording. But Mulder, like, punches the serial killer guy. Uh And he's allowed to stay on the case. Like, no disciplinary action whatsoever. And then he, like, checks the guy out of prison. And, like... First of all, he didn't need the approval of his supervisor to do that. Mm-hmm. He just had to get a judge to sign off on it, which I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. Um, and then he takes the guy to Martha's Vineyard, and then he, the guy manages to escape and kidnap a girl, and his boss yells at him for a bit, but that is it. Like, that that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still yeah. allowed to be on the case. He's not suspended or disciplined in any way. And I'm like, dude, Mulder, you're bad at your job. You should know better than to do these things. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> but yeah that that scene with the mob, especially, I was just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah.
1: Um, can
2: I can I ask the question that i wanted to know after watching these episodes? Yeah. I what what <coughs> happens between Mulder and Scully, and do they ever become a thing or have anything? Because there's like like every procedural sort of show <laughs> no, like this. There's like some tension, and it's great if they don't but i'm curious if they do
1: (laughs) um so there are a lot of kind of close calls there is like a body switching episode where somebody takes like like somehow i can't remember if he switches bodies he switches bodies with him and he is living in Mulder's body basically uh he looks like Mulder, and he's attracted to scully and they almost kiss and there are several instances like that um and I've heard, I have not watched the second movie because uh, I've heard so many bad things about it. Uh, and there are kind of like more illusions there. But in later episodes, it is very strongly hinted at that when Scully does become pregnant, that the baby is not an alien baby, that it's moulders. So, but there is, and there is like, it's season six or seven or something, one on-screen kiss. And that's it. Like, all the rest of it is just, ten- like, tension. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that, like, it works, I think, is because if you were paying too much, there's so much else going on, I feel like having them romantically involved would complicate, like, weirdly yeah. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And they they manage so well to have this kind of, like, really good closeness throughout that you're, like, whether it's romantic or not, like, you can tell that there's, like, vulnerability and, like, real real affection for each other i mean even in the first episode so they go out exploring and all of the victims have had these little weird puncture wounds on them um that indicate that they were you know abducted and maybe experimented on and they go out exploring and they have kind of like a bright light abductiony kind of experience and when Scully gets back, she's undressing, and Field bumps on her back. And she immediately runs to Mulder and like asks him, what are they? And he looks and he says, they're just mosquito bites. Um, I got eaten up alive as well. And she just falls into his arms just crying because like, she was so nervous. And that's like the first episode. Yeah. They This is their first case as a partnership. And she mm-hmm. already just like trusts him so much and is just like, I don't know. I think that they do just such a great job from the get-go of showing just how much these two care about each other. And that's not to say that, like, Mulder doesn't... I mean, Scully doesn't get tired of Mulder, because she definitely does. Mm -hmm. There are a couple episodes where she goes off on her own, including one that was kind of a, like, second-string pick. It's called Never Again, where um, Scully gets tired of playing, like... nanny to Mulder basically and goes off by herself and she meets up with this guy and she goes and gets a tattoo with him it's an Ouroboros which I actually have two X-Files themed tattoos and my Ouroboros on my back is one of them because that in this episode uh but it finds out that the guy that scully is with um is being told what to do by uh his tattoo which is voiced by jodie foster (laughs) so it's this like it's a monster of the week and it's like Mulder is only in it when he calls scully and is like i'm so bored and he's like throwing pencils at the ceiling and stuff and scully's like leave me alone i don't care um so she like yeah i don't know uh she definitely gets fed up with him sometimes but so much of the series works because of like their commitment to each other like as partners and as friends and like potentially as romantic interests <laughs> so
2: that was in the second episode uh we watched where Mulder has gone to wherever he's gone to to find the nasa stuff puerto rico <laughs> there we go um when I think. they're all yeah. kind of all the cops are looking for mm-hmm. him and they ask scully about it and they're like well we can tell she doesn't know because like the worry yeah. in her face and everything they know she doesn't know but yeah I you could just see hints of it so I was curious I kind of like that they I feel like every show like this where there's um male and female partnership uh-huh. like they always end up together romantically so yeah, yeah. i kind of like that that's the case it's just a close yeah closeness yeah. between the two is kind
0: of nice one thing i noticed watching this show that um i hadn't put two and two together before but i think that the, the show bones draws a oh. lot on x files
1: oh huh um, i've never seen bones oh so. really yeah yeah there's
0: yeah. yeah, it's much more of like a more standard like procedural cop sure. show, but it does have some of these there are some episodes where there are p- paranormal elements and is
2: Scully, like she's yeah. very practical. She's very
0: logical yeah. and Booth is always like, I mean, he's not interested in the paranormal, but they play up the fact that he's religious and he believes in like a higher power and that yeah. there could be, you know, these other things mm-hmm. at work. Um And yeah, their relationship is very reminiscent of Mulder and Scully, and like the general feel of the show is a little like kind of creepy. And they do autopsies very much like the X Files. Oh, that's interesting. Before I watched this, I didn't realize how much the X Files probably influenced that show. And I love Bones,
1: so but they do
0: get together at
1: one point, and I think that it loses a lot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) See, what kills the X Files in my mind. Uh, yeah, that I, is what I to <laughs> oh I mean no that that's even that's even more um so after season six ish um Mulder gets abducted and is gone and missing and maybe presumed dead um throughout parts of it so Scully gets a new partner called John Doggett um and he is her partner through a lot of it and what keeps it going is it's re- this really interesting switch that. Scully becomes the Mulder that like, she knows that Mulder has gone missing in relation to all of this alien stuff. Mm -hmm. And she is like determined to pursue it. And Doggett is like, aliens don't exist. What are you talking about aliens? And Scully has to take on the role of they might like, we have to find out, we have to find the truth. I want to believe, like I want to find Mulder. Mm -hmm. So it's, just really interesting. And then uh, they both kind of like when Scully has her baby and stuff, uh, Doggett has a partner called Reyes and they become kind of more of a main focus and that's like I, I feel like the show is dead to me at that point I don't like Doggett or Reyes very much so um, and then they so the 10th season that <laughs> I do not want to acknowledge uh, is basically like the Mulder and the Scully get reinstated and um, brought back on to I think it's this like right wing webcaster guy um, and basically he like uh <laughs> is trying to get them to like get more involved. They meet a lady who says that she had her fetus stolen and was abducted by aliens and things. And they kind of get back into it. Um, the monster of the week episodes in the new, the two new seasons were pretty well reviewed. Actually they weren't like terrible, but when they tried to keep the myth arc going of like 14 years later, we're going to pick up again with the alien <laughs> super soldiers uh, is like, where it just really falls flat and it's not good so mm. and um jillian anderson has said because of how badly the like 10 and 11 did that she's done she's not doing any more x-files uh, so that's this this is the end. Yeah. yeah i think which i mean can i just say jillian anderson is like uh, a, an amazing and wonderful person <laughs> and i love every ounce of her and uh I think it's super cool that she's just like no i know when to bow out (laughs) and it was maybe two seasons ago (laughs) um so yeah yeah great do we wanna oh also there's this really great line that i mentioned my tattoo earlier uh there's a really great line in i think it's season two or three um where Mulder and Scully are getting a little bit closer and, like, more friendly, and he is kind of talking about the reputation that he has, um, his nickname being Spooky Mulder, and he just turns to Scully and he's like, do you think I'm spooky? Aww. And it's this, like, really great, like, moment. <laughs> so I have a, on my shoulder, it says, do you think I'm spooky? And Aww. there's, like, a little demon head. That's so, cute. That's my second X-Files tattoo. <laughs> um, great. Great. Yeah, it's so good and so dear to my heart. It's so wonderful, and I want everybody to watch up to season six. <laughs> you don't have to go any further. There's also oh, there at one point um, get that get. Actually, it's pretty early. They were they're in one episode in the first season, and then more in subsequent seasons. And they help a lot with the myth arc. Is this uh, trio called the Lone Gunmen? Um, and it's this trio of nerds that are basically moulders like. Uh, super hacker pals that help him break into internet. Or I mean, government databases and stuff. Um, one of them's name is Frohickey and he's this little like frog-looking man. And like, there's one who looks like uh, Garth from Wayne's World, um, which is, uh, if I have not already said it, objectively the best film ever made. Um, <laughs> So, and they're, they're like a really fun, uh, like anytime they get brought in, it brings a little bit of levity to what might otherwise be this like really rough and plotting uh, mythos plot. And they're just like really fun. Um, i I think I've heard that, I don't know if you've ever watched Buffy, but in later seasons of Buffy, there's this, uh, gang called the trio and they're based kind of loosely on the, Long the gunman. lone gunmen, Yeah. Which I always want to call the four horsemen and there's only three of them. <laughs> they are the lone gunmen. Um. <laughs> so yeah they there's lots of like uh skinner who was in the second episode um the their kind of uh boss basically with the glasses he becomes a really big part of it you love him a lot he's just like a really good guy which is part of why i like the, the second episode so much is that the cigarette smoking man is kind of being a jerk to molder and uh Skinner tells him to get out. He sticks up for him, and that's the first time that you know, like, oh, Skinner's good. Skinner's a good guy, and he's just good for the rest of the season. So, her series, so awesome. Yeah. Do we want to talk at all about? I mean, you've mentioned already Bones, but like Mm -hmm. influences or like things that we feel or are tied to the X Files at all? I don't know if they're. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Bones was my big one. Yeah. I I showed my hand a little early. No, that's
1: okay. I think, um, a lot of the, like, I think X-Files paved the way for a lot of all of the other supernatural movies that have kind of, or shows that have come since then. So supernatural for one, uh, as well as, um, what was I thinking? Grim, I feel like is the way was kind of paved for it. There's a lot of just any of those episodes or any of those series that are kind of, um, explain the unexplained type things that's like originated here. Yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't watch Fringe, but I feel like oh, that uh-huh. would be pretty closely tied to it. Um, yeah, there's so much sci-fi stuff. The one that I always... That I, there was one I watched as a kid at the 4400, which I saw no one's ever watched. No, I have never even, even like heard of like it. The <laughs> third USA one. Um, the people got abducted and got brought back, 4400 of them, all at the same time oh. with powers. <laughs> so there's... And there's... FBI agents trying to figure out what happened there, and there's, again, a man and a woman who eventually <laughs> together, <laughs> but, yeah, it has kind of a similar feel to this, too. Um, in reading a little bit about it, I uh, Vince Gilligan, uh, creator uh-huh. of Breaking Bad, yeah. was a writer on X-Files, yeah. huh. So, it seems that that's how we met Bryan Cranston, and so yeah that's if we owe Breaking Bad to this that's really great <laughs> there are so
1: many that's like a there are so many so many so many cameos that are so fun as you yeah. go through the series <laughs> I think in like the second episode Seth Green shows up and like there yeah just so many people kind of pop in that you're like oh my gosh I know you I know who you are <laughs> so yeah. um and I think one of the Kumail talked about that on his X-Files files podcast of uh, a lot of the format of contemporary TV shows, especially procedural dramas, as well as Breaking Bad, follow the format of the X-Files, which is kind of a cold open into a really kind of gripping scenario, like in the pilot, uh, it starts with this girl running through the woods, about to be abducted by aliens, mm-hmm. and then it picks up back with like the main characters and like takes off from there. And so many shows do that now that didn't do it before. Like that, what that cold open of like throwing you into something, mm-hmm. was kind of kicked off by the X Files. Um, and now so many, I mean, Breaking Bad isn't the pilot. He's like naked in a trailer or something, and yeah. his <laughs> tidy White is in a trailer in the middle of a desert. And then it every kind of every
2: season of that show is kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a whole season where you keep showing the thing that doesn't come to fruition until the end of this yeah, season, yeah. but you mm-hmm. see bits of what's happening at the start of each of them
1: yeah. yeah yeah
2: wouldn't you say the monster of the week and then the like story arc that goes through also probably started here that there's i mean i think yeah. bones i've only watched a little bit of that but i feel like that's another one where they have cases each week but then every so often you'll get an episode that goes with the larger story arc.
0: uh yeah there are a few like recurring villains in bones i don't think they have Like, they have larger story arcs in the show, but it's nothing quite like X-Files, where there's, like, a conspiracy and things, like, weaving around in the background until Mm -hmm. it comes to fruition later. I actually feel like it's closer to the Doctor Who reboot in that sense. Mm. Like, the Doctor Who reboot, I think, is directly influenced by the X-Files in that, Mm. like you have these episodes where there are things going on that are self-contained within the episode, but, like, little background things that you don't even notice the first time you watch them, and then at the end of the season or at the end of, like, one actor's reign as Doctor Who, all of these things kind of come together, and you're like, you've been building to this for two years! Uh So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah that's yeah that's a huge thing in yeah. the x-files i mean like we were saying like one of these monster of the week things just throwing out mentions of motherhood and mothering that becomes like so relevant to scully like mm-hmm. a couple just even episodes later when she finds out that she's i i mean yeah like within that same season finds out that she like can't have kids and stuff mm-hmm. uh and maybe we'll never have kids and never be a mom and um I think it's just, like, that great tie-in that a lot of shows... And the balance actually really helps the show because the <laughs> the myth arc gets so convoluted that having Monster of the Weeks thrown in throughout helps it be a thing that people can just flip into, can just tune into and feel like mm. they know what's going on. Yeah. Rather than, like, <laughs> I don't know. That's why, like, The Office stopped working for me is because I feel like early off it, The Office was, like monster of the week in the sense that every episode stood alone and you could pick up on it and then by the end you were like i've had to i would have had to watch the last three seasons to understand anything that is happening
2: yeah Yeah. that's interesting that's that's why it
1: stopped working for me personally is that because it became just that and i think that even when it got a lot more kind of like regular i mean like when they were kind of transitioning in uh oh my gosh, Reyes mm-hmm. and Doggett, uh, which, by the way, Doggett is um, in The Terminator. He's like the the, mm-hmm. the, the RoboCop guy. Uh, so he's the guy who plays him. So that's a fun little, like, <laughs> if you like him, he's in it. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, I think that they do a really good job of balancing it through the whole series. And I mean, even yeah. in the 10th and 11th seasons, which kind of were a wash, the things that people liked were the, the one-offs that they could kind of step into. Mm-hmm. I had a friend at work, actually. So uh, one of the episodes of... The new season is about um, the Man- the Mandela effect. Do you have you heard of that? Mm-mm. It's the thing where you incorrectly remember the past, and people think that the like universe has split into two realities because of it. So, um, if the the example that everyone uses is the Berenstein Bears, it's actually spelled Berenstein, A I N, and and there are people that like me swear up and down it was Berenstein, E I N, when they were like younger. Yeah, it's not. And it never was. But that's that's the Mandela effect. Um, Because one of the other things about it is um, that some people think that Mandela died in prison. And some people think that he did not he was released and like, died later or whatever, or is like still alive. And um, so like that split. There are people that are really like this is how it was and now there is a multiverse and we live in one of the universes where that didn't happen or something like that um there are a lot of really weird ones like the monopoly guy doesn't wear a monocle but a lot of people think he does um he no <laughs> yeah there's like a whole buzzfeed list you can go through um a lot of people think that there is a movie called shazam starring uh shaquille no, so oh, okay. K- Kazam starring Shaq saying. is yeah, a thing. Kizam. Some people think that there is a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad. And they cannot be convinced that it is actually Kazam with Shaq. Uh, and that is like a split in the universe.
0: Wait, I am remembering a movie called Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: so, god. I'm yeah. Maybe I'm free. just very
0: suggestible. So so
1: there's an X Files episode in the newer seasons that plays with that, that like touches on that idea of like, do oh. we live in split realities? Uh, and my friend watched it and then misremembered the number of the episode and went back to watch it again and couldn't find it. Oh, <laughs> and he thought that they had done this like really weird thing of like so. taking that episode away so that like you people think, thought that yeah. it existed and then it didn't. Um, but they didn't. He just misremembered that number. But wouldn't that, that have been incredible. the most funny that thing? That would have been
0: incredible. <laughs> um, one other thing that I did want to talk about really briefly as far as influence goes. Oh, yeah. Um, so this show was popular, widely popular in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, which was when the internet was like, it was like the internet 1.0, right? Yeah. And so you had all these mm-hmm. online chat rooms where people, like for the first time, were getting online and sharing their thoughts about a TV show, mm-hmm. and that's actually where the term shipping comes
1: from, Uh huh. which I didn't know. <laughs> Mulder and Scully. Yeah, from Mulder and The yeah. Original ship? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> One of the... Okay, so... Mm. Uh, again, I'm, I'm like talking so much about Kumail's podcast because I listened to so much of it. Um, he quotes this uh, writer, I think it's Brian Phillips or something. I, I can't remember the article, but basically the writer had said that the X-Files was the first TV show to be galvanized by the Internet. And that wouldn't have existed had the Internet existed at the time. Um, because it's this really weird thing of it works because there is no internet. Like, I guess one of the bad things in the second movie is that there's this, this kid needs brain surgery and nobody knows how to do it. The top surgeon can't do it or whatever. So Scully Googles, Stem cell research and then like <laughs> prints out copies of the website and starts doing the surgery looking at the printouts and it just like flops and is ridiculous. <laughs> and so, part of why this works is because there that isn't an option, right? Like, part of what makes this so, uh, like workable is that they can't just get on and Google like Aliens. Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. alien yeah. proof or whatever that 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 isn't a thing. That if they ever want to get close to using the internet um in any real way they have to go to the lone gunmen who are like the super nerds and like <laughs> can get them on the web or whatever so um i just thought that was a really interesting thing of because the internet like once it came out was kind of when the x-files proper was winding down and people were mm-hmm. on message boards shipping Mulder and Scully and mm-hmm. like talking about it so much and so it's this very interesting like just where it happened was that when the internet is what solidified it being a good thing because people were talking about it so much, but that it wouldn't have existed had the internet been a player in it, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like maybe the, the reboot of X-Files, season
1: 10 and 11, don't work as well because the internet is so much more prevalent now? I think so. I think that, yeah. I mean, part of part of the like real scariness is when they're in the middle of the woods at night they don't have phones that are going to get them help you know Mm -hmm. like they maybe have walkie-talkies that maybe work (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like yeah i think that that is like a big part of it is that in such a connected world it's a lot harder to bear out conspiracy theories and things like that in interesting ways yeah because so much of it is like accessible with a couple of keystrokes
0: yeah totally so I will say, like watching these episodes, the first couple, I was like, "Why aren't you calling for help? Why aren't you calling for backup?" And then I had to remember, "Oh, this is the '90s; they yeah. couldn't <laughs> do that." Um, and then I kind of got myself in that mindset where I was like, "This is the '90s; that yeah. technology doesn't exist." Yet. <laughs> but then there's that episode where <laughs> I can't remember which one it was, where Scully's like Mulder's Mulder's talking about how he wants to live in that small town, so I guess it's home. Yeah, and. Um, and how, like, oh, yeah, because of cell phones and all this stuff. And she goes, Mulder, you'd go crazy if you didn't have your cell phone for three minutes. And I'm like, what I is I know doing that is yeah, that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I did see that and hear that. Because they do have them, but they're, like, bricks. Like, yeah, all those yeah. brick things or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, what's he doing? You can't I even play Snake on that. I was, <laughs> I was like, what is he so addicted to with his phone? It's just a phone. You, you do find everyone. out uh, he... One of the things that is a very interesting and weird thing about Mulder is that he's, like, very addicted to pornography like, oh. throughout the season. So maybe, like, I don't know, calling 900 numbers is Ooh, maybe. maybe what he's <laughs> into. That's, like, this very interesting and weird thing that that is kind of a running joke through all of it that any time that Mulder is by himself, that there's, like, pornography magazines around and stuff. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> fun little tidbit, which... which is, we to know. well and or, like made funnier and not funnier but like more ironic yes ironic <laughs> because of who david Duchovny is and like because he <laughs> has like gone to rehab for sex addiction and things yeah. so like yeah interesting
0: very interesting <laughs> cool well uh let's wrap this up with uh do
1: you recommend it tana <laughs> uh, you can probably pass on this oh <laughs> <come> on. <laughs> just kidding watch all of it up to season six and then stop <laughs> Great. watch no further. What do you think Shannon based on the the few episodes I've that we I enjoyed watched? it. I'm going to go back and watch more of it definitely. Yeah, yes. I am too. I'm <laughs>
0: I'm definitely going back and like starting at the beginning and oh, good. watching it all the way through. So. <laughs> yeah. After I get through some of the other things that I said I'm going to do that with <laughs>
2: and have not finished yet. <laughs> um just funny, it came up on my Facebook this morning, Rotten Tomatoes released uh, the 100 best sci-fi series, oh. and I'm like, it's gotta be on there somewhere, right? It is number three.
1: Woo! what beats Ooh. it? Twilight Zone? Um, number two 20? is Doctor Who. Yes.
2: Okay. Number <laughs> <What? laughs> number one is Battlestar Galactica. Oh. oh.
1: <laughs> Which I haven't
2: watched, so I guess I can't speak to. I feel, so then... Star Trek Next Generation and then the original Star Trek are 4 and 5. Okay. Which I feel like if and they have a bunch of new stuff on here, like you got to give Star Trek some credit for starting all that. <laughs> like that with X-Files too, like starting this whole new round of sci-fi shows that are very intellectual mm-hmm. and like I don't know. If you're thinking about it that way, a lot of these shows owe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. owe a lot to X-Files and yeah, Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Um, it's also this year, year this September is the twenty fifth anniversary of the X Files, so <gasps> fun, fun we're, reason to we're
2: almost timely.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> just just so a few months.
1: Yeah, just like you can st- if you start now, you'll have time to have watched the whole series by the twenty fifth anniversary, 25th anniversary. <laughs> and then you'll be able to <laughs> celebrate <laughs> it properly. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> I like that idea. Um, yeah, I was uh, nope. I was gonna say something else about sci fi <laughs> things. Oh. Just, you, you. we should talk about, I mean, you should talk about at some point Battlestar Galactica. That's, yeah. like, got really Mormon roots, from what yeah. I hear. So, oh. hmm. one of the, like, main planets' oh. name is Kolob or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's... So, <laughs> bring an interesting take to it. Yeah, <laughs> Very yeah that's what I've
2: wanted to watch. It's just, some of these ones that are longer, <clears throat> it just feels so intimidating yes. to start in on it. Yeah. So...
0: We are going to have to do a Firefly episode at some point,
2: though. Mm, see, true. I haven't seen Firefly. <gasps> oh <my goodness>. <laughs> Firefly's good. I Firefly is good. That that I haven't seen and it. doable. It's
1: like one exactly. season yeah. Yeah, because it got canceled. It. And then it's got like, and Serenity. Movie. And I think another movie, right? I didn't think there was a second. Oh, I can't remember. I thought remember. there was just remember. Serenity. I can't remember anymore. Great. One
2: season movie I can yeah. yeah, you <laughs> did know that.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well we're gonna
0: sign off. Uh that's it for us this week. Uh next week we are talking about <laughs> I, I do Hamilton. this every week. Yes, Hamilton next yes! week. Yes <laughs>
2: Well I'm excited about that. Yeah.
0: I'm excited too.
2: It's uh, going to be good. We haven't actually recorded that <laughs> yet, yeah, but I know it's gonna be good. Yep.
0: Yep, oh. for sure. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PC Footnotes. You can find us on Facebook at Pop Culture Footnotes. Um, if you are listening on iTunes or Castbox FM or anywhere else where this podcast is available, uh, you can also check out our website, popculture footnotes.com. And if you have suggestions for things that you want us to talk about on the show, send us an email. We're popculturefootnotes at gmail.com. Uh, Shout out to Preston Jed, DJ PJ. I always forget to give him a shout out for writing our theme song, but we love him, and the theme theme song is great, so thank (laughs) you. Um, And that's going to be it for us this week, so bye. Bye.